the pastor's heart and Dominic Steele and thanks for joining us today. The serious problem of loneliness with our guest, Professor Patrick Parkinson. Nearly one in four people are profoundly lonely and the loneliest generation of all is the under 25s group. There's a new Christian organization, a think tank, a public policy institute. It's called Publica, and it's being launched this Thursday night. Professor Patrick Parkinson is heading it up. And the first issue that they're researching on and expressing real concern about is loneliness. Patrick, the problem, it's the most serious problem, uh, and I was surprised to read this in your report, is not transient loneliness, but that seven to eight percent of the population have been really lonely for at least eight years. Yes, this is uh, findings from an, an Australian study which tracks people every single year and has asked questions about loneliness. And 7% of women and 8% of men said they'd been lonely for more than eight years and, and may have been lonely for 20 years for all that we, mm-hmm. that we know. So it's, it's, it's a what, serious problem. What's that look like? I mean, you must, I mean, put some flesh on that for me. Well, obviously the elderly, we understand that people who are widowed, um, have lost their loved ones and don't have a good strong support network mm-hmm. or family are going to be lonely and going to be lonely for a long time. So that's some of that percentage. That's some of them. People in, in aged care homes, are, a very large number don't get any, any visits at all. But another group which can be profoundly lonely for a very long time are separated and divorced men mm-hmm. and, and single men also. Mm-hmm. But, um, that is, that is a group which we don't focus on nearly, nearly, nearly as much. Mm. I mean, when you were telling me that, um, I mean, you were telling me your own pastor's heart mm. and concern for the separated and divorced men, because that was a journey you went through. Yes, it was. And, and um, I find myself the age um, with an eight-year-old child as a single parent, I mean, literally, you know, um, having to do everything myself. Now, fortunately, I had a great deal of support from the church, for mm-hmm. which I was very grateful, from friends um, and from my broader community. So I was, I was able to navigate that period of single parenthood. And the but depression and the loneliness which, which was, was accompanying it. I was able to get out of that quickly. Depression? Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, depression is a very normal response to separation and divorce, particularly if it's unchosen. Very often you find that there is a lever and there's a left. Mm. There's somebody who's made the decision often a year or two before they actually make mm. it. And they move on. But for others, and I would put myself in this category as well, it comes as a surprise or a shock, and you haven't prepared for it. Mm. It's not your choice, and it can leave you profoundly disoriented mm. and depressed. But fortunately, um, one can see the light at the end of the, of the tunnel if you just per, just persist. Mm. I mean, as you say that, I'm just reflecting at Village Church, we've run divorce care probably once or twice a year for more than a decade, and the divorce care course, and mm. um, uh, you definitely find you're sitting in a lounge room, and as you say, there's a mixture of levers and left, mm. and some women who were levers, and some men who were levers, and some women who were left, and some men who were left, and mm. in that moment of discovering that the other person might have made the call two years earlier, you know, there's there are significant penny drops in mm. those. Uh, in those conversations that really the writing was on the wall for a long time. And when you heard about it, it was way gone. You couldn't do anything. Yeah. And and there can be, um, for the left, a real sense of betrayal because they weren't aware Mm. of what was going on. Um, And and so you build your whole life around your family. That's where your friends are. Um, They are mutual friends. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for mutual friends to cope with Mm. a separation. Who, Who do they support? 
do they support neither? What, 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 do, they, what do they do? So it doesn't just affect the couple who are separating. It mm. can affect their whole friendship networks as, as well. Mm. And, I mean, as you say that, um, uh, the other person-centred person might think, look, I am going to support you because you're really going to need support, whereas the, this person um, is perhaps going to do okay. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've got to pick one. Yeah. And look, just to, uh, some statistics on, on this. For women who are separated and divorced, they are, are on average twice as lonely as married women. Mm-hmm. But for men who are separated and divorced, they are 13 times as lonely as a married man. So you can see the impact uh, particularly for men. We should care for, for mm-hmm. everybody, of course, but there's a particular needs which emerge for men in midlife mm. um, when a breakup happens. Now, um, this longer-term loneliness, uh, when you told me seven or eight years on the phone when we were talking ahead of this conversation, um, when you said long-term, I thought you were going to say two years, but mm. you said eight years, and that yeah. just floored me. Yeah, and eight years because that's as far as the research went. Right. Okay. <laughs> For many of those, as I say, it could have been very much longer. And th- there may well be people who are lonely for much of their lives. Mm. Uh, could you just give us, I mean, what's definition, definitionally, what's loneliness? Yeah. Loneliness is a gap between the social interactions you need and the social interactions that you have. So people can experience loneliness in different ways to different levels. If I'm comfortable being on my own, if I'm a hermit, if I'm just a bookworm and, mm-hmm. and I'm comfortable with, with myself. And I there will be some people like that. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But for those who feel a, a gap or gulf between their need to engage and the reality of their experience, that's loneliness. It can mm-hmm. be very, very profound. Mm. And a, a study in, a, in, a, in Australia recently found that 17% of respondents said that they felt always or often alone. That's a lot of people. Mm. We'll come to what can we do about it in a moment. But um, uh, another of the findings, and I'm going to your website, your new website, publica.org.au, and um, there's a report there, but it says that the most lonely generation are the 18 to 24-year-olds. Now, notwithstanding what you said about elderly and divorced dads, mm-hmm. but 18 to 24, that is profoundly worrying. It is, and it was prof- very surprising to me. Um, but it, it's there. It's there in the Australian research, the New Zealand research, the American research, the English research. They're all showing the same thing. And they're also showing the problem's getting worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you ask the question, as they did in, in England, do you have at least one close friend with whom you could share? Nearly a th- um, 30% were saying, no, I don't, mm-hmm. um, in England. And that was up significantly from just a few years earlier. So this is a, a growing problem. And we see this in school kids as well, 16-year-olds, who are asked about their friendships and, at school. Um, there's increasing proportion who are saying that they really don't have good friends at, 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 at school. So what do you blame? Is it Steve Jobs and Apple and the iPhone or what? <laughs> I know that's a conventional response, but the research is clear on it. If you look at the um, data from 2012 onwards, 2012 mm-hmm. being the time when the smartphone begins to become mm-hmm. pretty u- ubiquitous in the younger generation, certainly in wealthy Western countries. 
Um, what you find is the level of social interaction through um, me, um, through social media goes like this, mm -hmm. and face-to-face -face interactions just plummets, and plummets almost in proportion to the um, increase in use of social media. So, so it is actually the iPhone and the iPad that's caused it. It's a lot of it. Uh, so teenagers are just not going to the mall together to hang out as much as they, as they did, going to cinemas to watch movies as much as they did. Now, obviously, the pandemic's made this worse, um, because of lockdowns, but this all is all pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, you're seeing this. Young people are having much less sex than they did, so maybe there's some some good things and um, less unplanned less pregnancies. Sex? Yes, yes. So is it is that? Um, uh, I mean, you're talking 18 to 24 year olds. So you're talking about less sex in non-committed relationships. Yes, yeah, yes, and, yes. Um, are you reading that as a good? I mean, sorry. Of course, I'm reading that as a good thing. Um, why is that? I think it's just part of this pattern of people not young people not engaging in face to face social interactions nearly as much as they 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 did. So they're texting, they're mm -hmm. doing this and the other, and maybe they are unlearning what it is to engage in a, a close face to face re, re mm. relationship. I mean, I remember. I mean, sorry, I'm just thinking about some of my. Um, staff here at church, I, I might say, can you follow up this new person? And they will want to text them mm. rather than have the phone conversation where when I was in their stage, I would have just rung. Yes. And it was been, would have been a deeper, closer interaction because of a 10-minute phone call, you go deeper than a three-line text. Texting, it can be very useful because you don't have to get them to answer the other other end, but it creates distance, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and for a lot of people, they like to text because they can think about what they're saying. They don't have to respond in real mm -hmm. time. Life's messy when you're talking face to face. <laughs> you, know? right. so you drop your microphone. Exactly. <laughs> These sorts of things. And, and, and all sorts of difficulties are there in interpersonal relationships. Yeah. And the computer creates some sort of distance, mm -hmm. but that's not healthy for us as, as human beings. And we're seeing this significant increase in loneliness of young people, and that's part of, of the reason. I don't mm -hmm. think it's all of it. Um, I think we're seeing in some research now a connection between um, your family breaking up mm -hmm. and um, young, young people's uh, loneliness. So I think what's going on here is that when your parents decide to, to separate or one has made that, did that decision, kids can be very depressed too. Absolutely. Yeah. And they can withdraw into themselves. So imagine this happens when they're in year five or year six mm -hmm. and they're going to start high school and they're still in that, in that space. Uh, much harder to make friends if you're not this carefree, happy-go-lucky, outgoing sort of mm -hmm. kid. Um, so it's almost inevitable, I think, that um, that can impact upon their peer relationships. The other thing that boys in particular I mean, do... We've known that divorce damages their academic standing, yeah. but the, you're, you're saying it damages them socially as well. Yes, yes. And, and, f and for boys, one of the other ways they can respond is by acting out and behaving badly. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that drives away friends as well, mm. uh, you know. It's fine to have a clown, but eventually you get tired of it. Talk to me through migrant groups and geography. Um, are, there, is it, are we greater or lesser loneliness in second-generation people, that kind of thing? I think it's obvious in a country like Australia, where we have a lot of migrants, um, one quarter or more, more than one quarter of the entire Australian population was born overseas. Mm. So 
when you first come to a to a to a country, particularly if you don't come um, as a as a partnered mm. person, um, it, there's a lot to get used mm. to. There's um, there's new friendships to to make, and it's an alien culture, so mm. it's pretty understandable. Were you born overseas? Uh, yeah, but I was born in in England, so the transition yeah. to Australia wasn't too I difficult. Mean, I was born in England too, but um, when we came to Australia, and I was four, I mean. My parents didn't have aunties and uncles living in Sydney. There was no mm-hmm. extended family. Um, we did Christmas on our own every yeah. Christmas. There's, there was, a, I think, a much more isolated growing up in this country than there might have been if we'd had aunties and uncles' houses to visit. And yeah. Absolutely, and grand, grand, grand grandparents around the place. To visit, yeah. and, and what you often find with a migrant couple is that one is coming because they have a job. Mm-hmm. They're being sponsored by the employer, yeah. and that's often the man. But the woman who may not speak English well at all, it wasn't a requirement for her. She gets into Australia because of her husband's work mm-hmm. and she's stuck at home. Mm. Uh, she doesn't have independent work and she doesn't have the language. So you can see that relatively new migrants and refugees are, are, are going to struggle and particularly women probably in, in that situation, mm. unless they've got a good migrant network of support, which, mm. which some of them have. What about inner city versus suburban? Inner city and life, yeah. inner city life can be very alienating. Um, after my own breakup for a year, eighteen months, I don't remember how, how long now. I was in this anonymous apartment block in Neutral Bay with single apartments, mm. and I think I met my neighbour once. You know, he would bang on the wall if my music was too too loud. But it was a profoundly alienating environment. And a lot of people live in that sort of alienating mm. environment. There's no community where you live. So your community is where you work. And for some people, that's a lot of um, a community, very strong relationships, where others it's not. So I'm just thinking in our area here, just down the road, there's 1,200 units opened up in Harold Park and 70% of them are single bedroom. Do you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, I mean, and, but that's actually consistent with what the census says, uh, the number of single dwelling houses or single dwelling places in our area. Yeah. But if we're thinking 70% single bedroom, there's a lot of people living on their own. Awful lot of people. And think about how people connect in a community like that. They connect through their work if, uh, if, mm-hmm. um, that's a strong, a strong community. But a lot of people are working um, from home or in gigs, you know, hmm. doing this and that, that they're not well connected to the workplace. If you've got kids in primary school, you've probably got a network mm-hmm. of mums and sometimes dads if you're involved with community sports. But if you, you have as well for, for a while. But if you're not part of a church or not part of another faith community mm-hmm. and you're not part of a sports group or um, – a school network. Mm. Where do you connect do you with, you, with, with, yeah, yeah. with your with your with your neighbours? Mm. How do you even meet your neighbours? Mm. And one of the things we've got to do is to try to find ways again to build a community of neighbours, mm. um, because people are not just depressed by loneliness; they get they get their their lives will be shorter. Mm. One of the things I was really impressed with uh, a group of people from our church did was uh, Glee Point Road down the road from here, and you would know it. Um, mm. Uh, they embarked on a project every fortnight to eat at every single restaurant in Glebe Point Road right. and had a loose group, so a loose Facebook group, so that and it, the Facebook. If you didn't have anything to do this Friday night, come and come to the next restaurant on Glebe Point yeah, Road yeah. and called Eat the Street. And I thought, what a great strategy 
for mid-40s people who are a little bit lonely, a little bit lost, to yeah. be gathering together to do something fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, Publica, Christian mm-hmm. Think Tank, Public Policy Institute, you're wanting to speak to churches and you're wanting to speak to government and mm-hmm. you're taking on loneliness as your project. Um, what are you saying to us as churches first? Well, if you think about how um, the churches I grew up in, mm-hmm. the churches I've lived in as an adult have um, uh, been, been structured, they're very often structured around families. Mm-hmm. So you've got a kid's work, you've got a youth work. You might have a young adult's work in a larger church, mm-hmm. but then the assumption is you form families and that becomes the, the, the hub, nucleus, the hub. The, the yeah. nucleus of the life of the church, and then grandparents are supported through their families. Mm-hmm. Now, that, for a lot of people... In our community, a lot of people in our churches, it's simply not the case. Mm. So less than half of the number of people are getting married now, proportionately, mm-hmm. as they did 50 years ago. A lot of people are not forming long-term stable relationships, married or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got a lot of single people out there. You've got a lot of divorce and separate people, as we've talked about, and, of course, the, the elderly, for whom the family structure doesn't provide the support or they're alienated from their, mm-hmm. their families. So I think we've got to rethink, to the extent we can, our ministries um, to move beyond a family model and say, well, what can we do for the divorce? What can we do for people who are single? What does it look like between 18 and 30, 30 being the average age these days mm-hmm. that people are marrying in Australia and England and else, elsewhere, there's a period when they may be at university. But those are, as we're now seeing from search, very difficult years for, mm. for some of them. What can we be doing as churches um, to build community amongst those who are, who, are, who are single? What do you want us to do? I think that depends very much on each church. For churches um, which have 30 people, mm-hmm. um, and of course there are, Many in the Western world who are quite, 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 quite small, there may just be one small thing they can do. Mm-hmm. But what I'd encourage pastors to do is to look at the landscape, look mm-hmm. at the area, think about initiatives like divorce workshops, mm-hmm. um, ways in which other ways, in interesting ways, you could actually invite people into to community without necessarily having a Christian message behind it all. Mm-hmm. But by building relationships and reaching out, there will then be the opportunities mm. to, to, to share the gospel and invite people into the wonderful community and family, which is, is the, the healthy local church. Mm. I think you're saying also church is one of the only organizations that can create meaning in the local community because you can't professionalize care. No. I mean, what's happening in, in Australia, but it's happening elsewhere too, is that the taxpayer burden of um, social welfare has just been rising and rising and rising. Mm. And you can't just rely on professional social workers to to provide the loving support that the people need. Mm. Um, it, it's a drop in the ocean mm. to what the level of need is out there. And so those of us who are in strong communities, and if we're in a healthy church, we probably are, yep. uh, we have such an opportunity to reach out to those who don't have have that community and in small ways and large to to show that we care. Just to give you one example, I was part of a church up in the Blue, Blue Mountains uh, years and years ago, and we had a little cottage on the edge of our property, which we weren't using. Mm-hmm. And we set up a family support service at just our little church with a bit of seed funding from 
Wesley Mission. And there was one full-time worker, and then we would volunteer to mm-hmm. uh, look after kids for single mums while they went out shopping or just had a break. Just all sorts of little ways in which volunteers, particularly the recently retired, mm-hmm. could support their local communities. Mm-hmm. Um, another example is Kids Hope, which does wonderful work in creating mentors for troubled kids in primary schools. Mm-hmm. Such a need and such a such a ministry. And again, people you know who begin to wind down from work in their mid to late fifties, sixties, plenty of healthy years ahead. So much they can do to reach out to those in need in the community. Now, Publica, the new mm-hmm. organisation that you're heading up. Um, how's it come about? Because it's being launched on Thursday night. So I was looking at the landscape and realising that in the public square, so much of the way we come across as churches in Australia is negative. Mm-hmm. We're against things. And look, I've chaired Freedom for Faith. I co-founded it some years ago. There's a real need to be against things. There's mm-hmm. a real need to oppose adverse changes in society. But we can't just be against things. Mm-hmm. We've got to be for things. And we've got to be for people in a positive way. And I could see a real gap in Australia in terms of public policy. Where are the Christian groups who are really engaging in positive witness? Mm-hmm. Some are like Anglicare, Catholic Care, United Care around poverty. We've got a lot of good work, mm. work there, but there's so much more we can do. And in the public discourse in Australia, there's just a gap, a silence about family issues, mm. an unwillingness to acknowledge that we actually have uh, an ever-increasing social disaster mm. uh, because of the breakdown of families and the transience of a lot of families with children, particularly mm unmarried um, couples with with children, three to four times as likely to break up as a married couple with kids. Mm. We aren't talking about these things. When I try to talk about these things as a family law expert, people are just reluctant to to hear it. They just don't want to hear the message because we've been socialised to believe that um, family structure doesn't matter and that whatever works f- works for you is fine but it's not fine for our for our kids and we have a cascading problem of social disadvantage here mm. so publico is in wanting to put the facts out to give churches and others the resources the inf- information but also to offer positive mm. proposals for how we can strengthen families how we can build a community of neighbors in local communities and avoid just um, outsourcing all our care to professional organisations. Mm. I'm just thinking, I mean, your own journey mm. um, in practising family law, mm. lecturing in family law, yeah. that's really put you nose down into the messiness of breakups and disasters in, yeah. in relationships. Yeah. And so that's fantastic to actually be saying, how can we turn around some of these messes that I've, I've been looking at hard and crying over for and, decades? And a, a great deal of my work has been child protection too, mm. and there's there's a real tie up between these yeah. these, these 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 two issues. Um, we are seeing a 250 to 300 percent increase in the number of kids needing foster care uh, in Australia over the last 15 years. That's massive. The foster care system can't can't cope. Why so high? 
Well, there's all sorts of, of reasons why, but it's connected to um, family breakdown. instability of families. Well, often, you know, single mums oh, who don't, yeah. don't have partners in the first place. Um, I'm just remembering uh, the Howard government did that report a long time ago about the big cost to, be, to the Australian economy of relationship breakdown. Yeah, yeah huge. And, and the, the single biggest thing they could do to help Australia function better was yeah. hold relationships together. Yeah. yeah, and it's not it's not just that. Obviously, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's yeah. um, there's mental illness. There's a big issue um, for single mums who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Intellectual disability, that, to some extent, because that's been a fairly constant issue. Um, so all of these things combine. And what uh, the kids who need long-term foster care... Their mums or dads off, usually off, off the scene or very often mm. off, off the scene or not capable of looking after the kids. Mums struggling with multiple issues, domestic violence as well. Mm. And that combination of issues is so intractable that the only way forward is long-term foster care or adoption. That's very, that's very sad. We've got mm. to look after the kids. And we've been struggling for years to get enough foster care places. Mm. Another thing Christians can do. So... Mm. My point, Dominic, is that how many of these issues have you heard talked about in by our political leaders, uh, by our news programs in the last year? Well, I mean, the politician runs to the economy, you mm, know. Yeah, and yeah. and I think what you're saying is we actually need leadership in on things in other space. And I mean, and by only leading on the economy, uh, and if the churches are quiet then really no one's saying families matter. It's just everybody do what they want. And that's why we're starting Publica, to create the, the discussions, to put out the ideas, to raise awareness of the problems. Because governments can't just look after the economy. They run big social welfare and child protection networks, mm. as do local authorities, mm. uh, local councils. So we need to do more in, in this space. So the launch is Thursday night. You go to publica.org.au for details. You can watch it online, but it's down the road at Broadway at St Barnabas's. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Dominic. My guest on The Pastor's Heart, Professor Patrick Parkinson, and he heads up the new organisation, Publica, which starts this Thursday. Thanks for joining us. We will look forward to your company on The Pastor's Heart next Tuesday afternoon. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.